Hi, welcome to our study of Patterns Found in God's Word. Today we're going to talk about being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, which is a really interesting topic because it's so abused and so misunderstood. It's coming out of Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, and Luke 3, verse 16. As for me, I baptize you with water, says John the Baptist, for regeneration. But he was coming after me, who is mightier than I, not and I am not fit to remove his sandals, he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. Take note, he does not say he will baptize some of you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Because a lot of people will say that this baptism of the Holy Spirit is referring to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10. And I would say I disagree. Because in Acts chapter 2 you see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Peter says. This is what is spoken of through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters, young men and old men, right? I'm pouring it out. That's an outpouring. Baptism is an immersion. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not immersed into the Holy Spirit. So it's not a baptism of the Holy Spirit or baptized into the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. And then in Acts chapter 10, the same thing had happened to Cornelius. They had the outpouring, though there was no fire that, that took place with Cornelius. And Peter says, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did, can he? What's Peter saying? These guys need to be baptized into water for the forgiveness of their sins. But if... Peter had, if they had the same outpouring as Peter did, then that means Peter had to be baptized. And I would say to you, Peter and the twelve were baptized on the day of Pentecost. That's the day that Jesus gave them the keys to the kingdom, not the day before. Pentecost is the birth of the church, and that's when they learned about being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Peter and the apostles had to do the same thing. God does not show favoritism. He does not show favoritism with Cornelius. He does not show favoritism with the twelve. You want to get into the kingdom of God? Hey, you got to obey Acts chapter 2.38. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. One action, baptism. Two things are happening, or two things are present. The Holy Spirit is present, and the fire is present. And he doesn't say with the Holy Spirit or fire. No, no. He's saying both together is what he's saying. People can explain this away, but you can't. It's in English. It's the Holy Spirit and fire. So, what's the Holy Spirit? Duh. Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise is for you, the children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. What's he saying? This promise is for everybody to receive the Holy Spirit in at their baptism, right? Ephesians 1, 13, 14, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were sealed with him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, Romans 8, 9, however, now this is a key. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In, if indeed the spirit of God dwells where? In you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. If the Spirit of Christ is not in you, right, you're, you're not in. Romans 8.14, all who are being led by the Spirit are, are the sons of God. 
In the same way, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself, who's inside of us, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's so many examples of the Spirit of God giving us wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 4. Ask of God, he gives wisdom. How does he give wisdom? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches you. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. Many people will say, oh, this was only for Paul. This was only for the apostles. Paul's saying it's for all of us. The Holy Spirit... And I love this with 1 John chapter 2, 20 and 27. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. And this is John writing about 75 AD, right? All the, all the other guys are dead, the apostles. And he's writing to the future church. And as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as he has taught you, you abide in him. Now, right at the end of that, as he has taught you, you look up that word he. Most Bibles say as it has taught you. It's not there. It's, it's he. And the he is what? The Holy Spirit, who is your anointing at your Baptism. Jesus went down into the waters of baptism with John the Baptist, and when he came up, what did he receive? The anointing of the Holy Spirit after his baptism, when he's coming up out of the waters. Hmm. Matthew 3.12, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. One action, two things present. So what's the second thing? What is this thing called fire? Um, Jesus says, everyone will be salted with fire. Jeremiah says, is not my word like fire, and that's what I'm going to propose to you, that the fire is the word of God. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, says Jesus, and I wish it was already kindled. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot bear them. Why? Because you do not have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you deal with these, this fire that I'm going to bring upon you. And in Revelation, talking about the two witnesses, which is the church during the persecution, so he's talking about Christians. If anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. So are you seeing flamethrowers, flame flames coming out of people's mouths to devour people? Or are you seeing the word of God? And that's what kills people. Not physically dead, but spiritually. Therefore, says Jeremiah, because you have spoken this word, behold, I'm making my words in your mouth fire. There's so many great examples. Uh, here he's talking in 1 Corinthians that, that um, our works are going to be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. You claim to be a Christian? Well, here's, here's a chance to prove it. Are you going to obey the word of God or are you going to disobey the word of God? I like Peter. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory. The fire is the word of God, and the testing is when you have an opportunity to obey or disobey. Persecution comes when you've got a choice to follow the word of God or not to follow the word of God. And that's the testing that we go through. Two ways to look at life, positive, negative. Isn't it funny how we look at policemen two ways? Nice guy when he's giving you directions, but oh, wait a second, he's giving me a ticket. I don't like this guy. Why? Because I'm guilty. Same with the word of God. It's a living water when it's comforting me. But guess what? When I'm caught in sin, it's exposing me and it's a burning fire. You know, the word is a burning fire when it exposes me. So how can I change the fire into the water? And this is an important concept to catch. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of his son 
cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do you change the fire of the word of God to the water of the word of God? Forgiveness. Ask God to forgive you and it puts out the fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Because when you're going down into the waters of baptism, you're going down because you know that you're lost. You know you're out of a relationship with God. And when you come up out of those waters of baptism, all your sins are forgiven. Fire's out. But you still have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, given at baptism, leads, uh, lives in me, guides me into all truth, prays for me, leads me, teaches me, gives me wisdom. Nothing more than what the Word of God, but He's the one that helps me to understand the Word of God is what I need to get understand. And the fire is the word which convicts me, tests my faith, tests my work, keeps me seeing the straight and the narrow. What you have to see is that the Holy Spirit, well, here in Ephesians, the, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. The word of God is, and the Holy Spirit, you know, they work together totally. For the word of God is living and active, sharpening any two-edged sword, piercing as far as division of Soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and tensions of the heart. That's the spirit using the sword, cutting down to the depths of your heart to be able to help you to understand what you need to change in your life. John 38, 39 says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit with whom he believed, uh, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you receive the Spirit, it activates the Word of God so you can understand and see the changes you need to make creates the fire, really is what it does. You can't have one without the other. Word of God is, is not fire without the Spirit, and the Spirit has no sword without the Word. That's why John's saying to all of us, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. But then some will say, it's not the fire of the hellfire? Because right after um, Matthew 3.12, we see 3.13, it says, His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Well, this is unquenchable fire. It's not the same. When you look at Mark, he's saying, if your hand causes, if your hand causes you, to, you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to having two hands and go to, into hell, into the unquenchable fire. Hell is the unquenchable fire, right? Why is it unquenchable? Because in hell there is no forgiveness of your sins. In this day and age, the fire that we've been salted with a little bit at a time burns us because we see the things we need to change and we repent and ask for forgiveness and we put the fires out. When it comes to hell, that fire will be totally unquenchable. The torment of hell is living with your sins for all of eternity. That's unquenchable. And just to finish it off, Malachi 3, 2-3 to says, talking about John the Baptist and talking about the, the coming of the Messiah. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Because he's going to be like a refiner's fire and like a fuller soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver and will purify the sons of Levi, refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord 
offerings in righteousness. Two things are happening here in Malachi. There's the soap, which purifies. There's the Holy Spirit. And there's the refiner's fire, the word, which helps to refine us. Those two things so work together to help purify us, to help refine us so that we can be presentable when, when it's time to be with Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's what we see accomplishing in this day and age when you obey Acts chapter 238. Because this promise is for us. And the Spirit lives and the activation of the, whole, of the Word of God lives within you. So you can grow and be the person of God that God is asking you to be. Thank you.